In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Welcome back to another episode of Betches Brides. I'm your host, Fallon Carter. How are you guys today? I hope everyone is looking forward to the spring just as much as I am. I've got some travel coming up around the bend and my my bones need it. So I'm very, very excited. I hope you all are doing well. Um, today, I want to read a few DMs that I got. So if you don't know how to find us, we'd love to hear from you. Like that is my, that's my favorite thing is to really connect with you as brides, nearlyweds, planning couples. Like I want to talk to you and help point you in the right direction of a wedding that is meaningful to you, that fits within your budget, that makes sense to you, and that feels good. Um, This is one day, but it's a very important one day and it sets the tone of your marriage, right? So I want to hear from you. What are you seeking? What problems are tripping you up? What's keeping you up at night? And the best way for me to get in touch with you is via Instagram or email. So you can send us emails at brides at batches.com or you can message me at I am Fallon Carter. And you, of course, you guys already know the, our Instagram's amazing. <laughs> so please go over there and they will get them to me. But if you want to reach me, I am Fallon Carter. I'll see you there. Um, so these are three DMs that I have from my personal account here that I wanted to read and answer for y'all. So, hi, Fallon. I've been absolutely loving you as host of Betches Brides, and I have a question. How early is too early to send out wedding invitations? We're having a destination wedding at the end of July this year and sent out save the dates in November. I have all information formalized and ordered my invites, but I don't know how long I should hold on to them before mailing. According to what I've read online, they should be mailed in May. But people have been asking questions that could be answered by the information on my invite and enclosure card. Would it be weird to send them out in March, four and a half months before a wedding? Thank you. All right, Sophia. Sophia, my darling. All right, so you guys are doing a destination wedding. So with a destination wedding and even for domestic weddings, there are a few things that I suggest you kind of put together prior to even sending out save the dates. So let's just take it. Let's just take it further back. Let's take a few steps back. From the moment that you book your venue, ideally is around the 12 to 13, sometimes even 14 months in advance, right? The moment that you have a venue, sometimes we get in this, <laughs> we get in this um, energy of like, whew, all right, now I'll look at a photographer. But in all honesty, I suggest once you have your venue, the next thing you should be doing is focusing on the rest of the weekend. So that means, are you having a welcome event? Are you having a day after brunch? Are you doing a rehearsal dinner? I would suggest planning those elements next. And after you get those details sorted and and kind of together and and organized, then you want to understand, are you providing any transportation for folks? If so, begin the process of organizing transportation. 
And of course, before you can organize transportation, you need to know where you're picking people up from. So securing hotel room blocks is all within this, like, I call it the first quarter. (laughs) The first quarter of your planning is get your venue solidified, get those hotel blocks situated, get every detail you need regarding any auxiliary events, whether it's welcome event, day after, all of those details, and make sure your transportation is locked in. Now, I like to have all of these details done prior to sending save the dates. That way, when people go onto the wedding website, they see the hotel they can stay in, they understand if we're picking them up and taking them somewhere. They have all of the details they need if they need to fly in a day early so they can make the welcome celebration. It's really, really crystal clear. It's also great to have a really robust FAQ page. So when you have an FAQ page on your wedding website, that will answer even more granular details of what's the dress code for each day, are children allowed, sometimes even timing. I really do like to hold off on timing until invitation just because things might fluctuate during your planning process. So if there's anything I don't share, it's really just time and the time is sent with the physical invitation, whether it's six, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, anyway, so um, I hope that gives you a little bit of clarity on for any of those who are moving into the correspondence phase, before you send any correspondence, have a wedding website that will help answer your questions, right? So when it comes to timing, for domestic weddings, I always suggest the standard that you can Google everywhere, six to eight months prior to the event date. For international or destination, and also depends on the destination, I say anywhere between nine to 10 months, just because sometimes people still need to get passports or you're going to need to apply for visas or things like that. So Think about, and that's where your FAQ page is going to be really, really handy dandy. Um, So having as many details as possible for you send the save the date is like the best way you can move without having a hiccup of how early do I need to send invites. I also like to think of invites as kind of like, they're just cute, (laughs) Um, but they should not be the time where people are just now learning about your wedding. The wedding website and your save the dates are probably the most important element for your correspondence. The invitation is literally just the formality of it all, but the actual nuts and bolts of the logistics of things should be done during your save the dates and your website, yes. (laughs) So when you're sending physical invitations, yes, you are correct for a July wedding, I would have sent them out in May for, in your case, for a destination wedding, I would actually send them out in April. So I don't think you're too early with um, March. It's, I think you can, I think you can give it a go. Um, (laughs) And I, I think late March might be better. The downside of sending things too early is you run the risk of getting false RSVPs. So folks can come in and say, yes, I RSVP, because they're really early and they're like, yes, of course I wouldn't miss this. And then something happens and their plans change. Same for same for save the dates and having the ability for people to RSVP. You still, you kind of always run the risk of when you allow people to RSVP too soon, they might initially say yes. And that really does impact your life. So, <laughs> cause they might come back down the line closer to the event date and you might get a handful of no's like, Oh, my plans have changed or there's a wedding now in Lake Como and yours is just in Detroit. So I'm going to that one. Like there's, you run those risks when you're sending things a little too soon. 
So my suggestion here is to kind of put a caveat, like feel free to RSVP, but please specifically RSVP know if you absolutely know you cannot make it. And if you need to change, please give us at least five months notice kind of thing. Like if you're going to RSVP now, please let me know. (laughs) Don't let me know like three weeks before like, oh, I've decided to actually not come. That's because that does happen when you give too much wiggle room for people to speak. And so back to the actual dates and times and things and place. I could ramble on about this for like a a million years. Um, But I would say six to eight weeks is when you're sending out domestic nine. I say nine to 12. You could even do nine to like 11 weeks for an international wedding where they have to again, because people aren't going to get their lives together until that time. That might have just been a ramble. Um, So. Sophia, I hope this is helpful for you. I think you're in a good spot. Feel free to send them. Late March, early April would be my suggestion. If you do not have a wedding website with an FAQ page, I would create that sooner than later. And I would send out links for people to review everything on the wedding website because they shouldn't need the invitation for information. That should be on a wedding website. It's really, and they should even be able to RSVP there. There shouldn't really be anything that's missed that they should, it shouldn't be new information coming with the invite other than the time of the event, which they're already going to be at this destination. They're not going to make other plans on your wedding time. (laughs) So great question. All right. The next one is coming from Becca. Hello, I am a huge fan of the podcast and have found it so helpful during wedding planning. I would love some advice. There is a mid-20s couple that does photography and videography, and I love their work. And I love that they're a couple, so they probably have great communication and have worked on weddings together. The only thing I'm worried about is what if they break up or are in a fight the day of my wedding? They aren't married, which isn't a big deal, but just makes me more nervous that something like this could happen. I also understand they are quite young, but I know they have a lot of experience and produced high quality work. Am I overreacting or is this a valid concern? Would love any advice. I think that's a that's an interesting thought. I never would have, I never, I would never have thought of that. So my my initial question to you is, where does this fear come from would be a follow-up question to you because it's a very interesting and very specific thing. Have they done anything so far that gives you an inclination that they might fight or break up prior to the event? And that you're, I just, my initial thought is like, this is weird. No, you don't need to worry about that. Like it could happen with anything. Like any photographer could get, fall trip, get broken bones and not be able to show up. So there's always like, um, there's always going to be something. And are you, I don't know. I have a lot of follow-up questions here, but I think overarching is like, if you have something in your spirit, that's telling you that this isn't a hundred percent a vendor that you can trust with the outcome of basically your photography, your love story, the kind of the most integral part of your wedding celebration, I wouldn't necessarily move forward unless the fact of their work outweighs the fact of them potentially breaking up. (laughs) I think it's an interesting thing to focus on, um, assuming that anyone could fall short in any capacity. This is just 
their capacity of breaking up is a thought for you. Interesting. Never. I, I, I work with so many husband wife teams. Never thought about them actually breaking up, maybe getting divorced and having a fight at my weddings. No, never been a thought. So again, you have to go with your spirit. You have to go with your gut. If you're not feeling it, a photographer is one choice that you can't, I would not wing it. If there's other vendors that I'm like, yeah, I guess it's fine if they're not that great or I don't really, you know, it's like, sure, I don't have to fall in love with the lighting guy. Like he, sure, baby, come put them lights in and be on about your business. But the photographer who's in your face all day and actually producing the most tangible element from your, the only tangible takeaway from your wedding, I need you to be 100% in. Now, you saying that you love their work, and one, the fact that you're saying they're young, but they have experience. I'm like, those don't equal the same thing. But anywho, so <laughs> I would one voice your concern to them to say, hey, your your age and your relationship status. I mean, it's a little judgy, in my opinion. I'm like, you just got engaged. But <laughs> it's like, I don't know, because I'm also a wedding planner who isn't married. And I was like, if someone judged me on my relationship status, I probably wouldn't be in this business. So I, I would voice your concern one in the most like diplomatic manner as possible to say, this is what's on my mind. This is what's keeping me up. But lean on the fact that you love their work and have a contract that would outline what happens if they split up, if they have to go their separate ways, if there are second shooters or associate shooters that they work with that you can review their portfolios to see if maybe they can come. Like there are so many ways to troubleshoot around this, but it's like all of the conversation alone is giving me like move on and find someone else. There's a million amazing photographers in the world. So if you're not digging this one because they might break up, girl, if you do not move on. <laughs> But that's that would be my opinion. If you were my couple or my client, one, I mean, also, it's like sometimes my couples would be like, hey, can we talk to one of their past couples, right? And maybe you talk to like two of their past couples to get an understanding of are they good? Are they not? What'd you feel? Did they fight on the day? Did they have any squambles? I think it's such an interesting concept to think that that's a thing. That's why I'm like, is this a projection that you're projecting on them that you have this, that you have this fear? Where is it coming from? That's my question to you. All right. I, Becca, you're going to get this, but if you're not, a, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hard no. That's my thing. You can ask for some reviews, see what happened with other couples before moving, but make sure the contract at least outlines something. I'm giving you a lot of options here, but I would probably walk away because your spirit is trying to tell you something. <laughs> okay, we have one more message. I love all these DMs. They're so like, they're so lovely. Waking up to them, I'm like, oh, this is cute. All right. Hey, Fallon, I'm a November 2024 bride who recently stumbled upon your podcast. Girl, did you stumble? Can you fall into it and make sure to save? Okay. Side, no side note. And have been loving your episodes. I've been really enjoying your take on non-stereotypical families. My parents are divorced where my mom has remarried, stepdad, and my dad has been in a long-term 10-plus year relationship with his girlfriend. I've been struggling to decide how much slash little to include my dad's partner. I'm planning on including my mom, 
and my fiance's mom in hair and makeup and getting ready. What is your advice on how to include my mom, dad's girlfriend, and my fiance's mom? Thank you. Whew. All right, Megan. Well, step one is kudos to you for thinking about it. I don't think you understand how many times I've worked with couples and I'm like, who's getting ready? And the bride-to-be, the nearlywed is like, oh, just my mom. And then I was like, well, what about your partner's mom? And they're like, oh yeah, them too. It's like the fact that you're even, the fact that you remembered, kudos to you. And I think so many families right now are dynamic <laughs> in, in in all their ways, shapes, or form. Like the, the concept of this normal cookie cutter family with the golden retriever and, you know, the static parents is unrealistic. So I think we're all having to have a little, have some interesting conversations as we're merging families during the celebration, right? So the fact that you're thinking about it is great. That also leads me to believe that it you might be feeling like you want to or you have to. And I think this is such a great question. You don't, because I'm I'm happy, to, I'm, I'm ready to give you some ideas and some thoughts. So first thing to ask is, is your gut saying, yes, you have to include her? Or is, are you feeling like you should because it's like the right thing to do? You're feeling like kind of like, if you didn't, it might ruffle feathers. It's a That's an initial follow-up question. With, I'm a mama's girl. So, and I'm also all about vibe. So it would really depend on having dad's partner come into this kind of cool girls club, <laughs> which is a huge, a major scene of being in the aura of a nearly wed bride-to-be energy and zone. It's, it's a very fragile space and it's a very emotional space. And you want every person that's in that room to have be, been intentionally picked, which is why I'm so adamant on like, please no wedding parties unless you actually know your friends well enough. <laughs> like, cause some of y'all are just picking random people to make the number the right number. And then you're sweating and, and crying and panting and people are coloring their hair and doing crazy stuff. And I'm like, see, you didn't have to go through all this if you didn't invite them. But I say that to say that energy has to be created. And that means each person in there has to have been handpicked. Question for you. If your dad's partner comes into the space, will she enhance the mood or will she take away something from the experience? Another question is, will she make you feel some type of way? It's like, is she an Instagram account that needs to be muted or is she someone who you enjoy seeing in your feed type of analogy? And is she going to cause you to play mediator or a diplomat so that you're navigating the conversations between her, your mom, and you're trying to make your mom feel good and all of those things. So those are all questions to ask because that, again, that energy on the morning has to be the best um, because it is leading you to that moment where you walk down the aisle and as a planner and as someone who's always in that room, sometimes I don't even like to be in that room because I have, my energy is really high. Sometimes it's a little anxious when people see me, they're like, something must be going wrong. I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of a drill sergeant. So I have 
a person who I assign on my team that goes into the room because she's kind of like a cheerleader. She's fun. She's exciting. And she's like, oh my God, yes. She's a hype woman. She's good. She belongs in the room. I don't belong in the room. I know that about me. So (laughs) does this partner, does dad's partner belong in the room? And if she does, please invite her and have her sit down and get her hair and makeup done. Now, other than managing your emotions and feelings, I think it's also, again, like I said, I'm a mama's girl, so I'm always going to ask mom, I would ask your mom next, if she invited your dad's girlfriend, partner, into the room, how would she feel? Um, and does your mother's feelings, and I I'm, I'm hope so, do your mother, does, do, does, I, I need to get my grammar, I need to learn English, apparently. Do the feelings of your mother matter to you in this scenario? And I would hope so, because I want everyone to feel comfortable, right? You want probably want everyone to feel comfortable. So after you ask your mom how she feels, then you go and communicate with dad, because dad probably has a really strong opinion on what he wants. Or he maybe is like, I don't care. She doesn't care. But I have a, a, a so, like as my pastor says, I have a sneaky suspicion and a holy hunch that your dad has probably heard from your partner that she potentially wants. He, she would have said something by now that she either wants to be included, is expecting to be included, or doesn't care. So before kind of asking her directly, maybe get some intel from your dad. Like, hey, has she said anything? Like, I'm really tinkering on it. And you can even lean on the the concept of it's an additional expense. So I'm trying to make sure that she's down before I extend the invite. Like, what do you think? And you can also say, mom is cool with it. We'd love to have her there and make it a really great moment, right? And then once you have dad's answer, then you can, then you have all the information that you need to make an informed decision, but there's, again, there's just a few little steps that I think are important. Understand how it makes you feel first. Is she good, is she good vibes? Is she bad vibes? Does she need to be in the room? Is she gonna add to the joy and merriment? If she doesn't, it's a no. If it's a yes and everyone, including your mom and your dad are cool with it, do it. And last but not least, I'm always going to give you options just because everything isn't going to, everything is, in my opinion, for a wedding, especially understanding dynamics of family is not going to be a cut and dry yes or no. You you might have to finesse some things. When there's hair and makeup and there's lots of family dynamics or there's a really large wedding party and maybe even aunts are coming and you've got junior bridesmaids and you've got too many people that you don't really want to be in your space, but that still need to get hair and makeup done. Um, cause I've had couples who really are, do not like some family members and do not want to see them, but they still are in the hair and makeup lineup, right? What we do is we have one room where the bride is, the nearlyweds are, or the nearlywed partner one is, they have the, the dresses in there, the wedding parties in there, food and beverage, the music is going in there. And that's, one space. And then we have another room specifically to go to get your hair and your makeup done. When it's your time, you go in there, you get your service, you come back to the joy and merriment room. (laughs) Now, if there's, when you're having, again, awkward family dynamics and you're like, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't want them to get another room, have a whole other room just for the hair and makeup. 
and then have one room where you can be privately and like close a door and catch your breath. <laughs> and and maybe it's not really booking two hotel rooms. Maybe it's getting a hotel suite that has a door, which I suggest anyway, because you don't want your dress hanging up in the same place as everyone's walking past and eating food and the smells getting in the dress. I always suggest getting a suite. This is the one day to splurge. Get a suite that has a door or something that connects that disconnects where the bride is getting dressed to where all the people are doing their thing with hair and makeup. Because I'm telling you, this is an emotional morning. (laughs) And sometimes you just need to go someplace and close the door, have a meltdown, take a nap, eat a chicken wing, like choose your adventure, honey. But if there's any advice I can have for getting ready, have a separate space that is just yours So you can lay out all your stuff, jump up and down on the bed, roll around, and just have a second to breathe. Well, that is it for this week's episode. I hope you guys liked it. And again, we love to get your emails, so please continue to send them. And that's at bridesatbetches.com. And you guys can follow the show at Betches Brides on Instagram. You can follow me at I am Fallon Carter. Please I said, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. We'll have new episodes every single Monday, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Until death do us part. The Betches Brides podcast is produced by Rebecca Salzmacat, Lauren Salome, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Rebecca Salzmacat. Social media by Lauren Salome. Be sure to follow us at Betches Brides and send us your emails to brides at betches.com. Betches.